I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Welcome to Old School. I'm Chief Rick Lasky, along with my buddy. John Salka. Hey, John. Hi. Hey, so let's talk real quick. Um, uh, big week for you last week. I'm going to do some bragging on you. Um, my, my good buddy, my best buddy, Chief John Salka, was the recipient. He was inducted into the Firehouse Hall of Fame this year, and um, that was awesome. Great company. Um, I don't know if, if, it, if it, it works the same way for you, John, but I know when I look at some of the names of the people that, that I was, I had the privilege to even be sitting alongside, if you will, some of my mentors and idols. I, I still haven't wrapped my arms around the fact that, that I'm, I've just invited, been invited to be part of that group. I mean, for you, I mean, a lot of those people, I mean, they're just, they're just great. They're great mentors and great fire service leaders. And, you know, what, one of the great things about it was um, – that, 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 that some of those folks, it's a, it's a smaller group because it's a newer, it's a newer group uh, that, than the award that you got. But um, what's great about it is some of those folks are people that, that were my idols, people that I looked up to when I was just breaking into writing for Firehouse and, 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 and you know, hitting the road and, and doing presentations out, out on the road. So, you know, it, it was just, you know, guys like Vinny Dunn and, and Harry Carter and, and, you know, Alan. Um, so, like I said, it, for me, it was a thrill just to be associated with folks like that. Um, I, I, I tried, and, and you were there, which was great, having, having you and Butch and the family there. Um, I, I tried to uh, sort of turn the focus away from me and more towards the audience to say, hey, you know, anybody could end up up here. Because I was just a guy riding Rescue 3, and I met Harvey, and I, and I and I absolutely had to mention Harvey. I said, well, Harvey's the only reason that I'm here. I said, it's not the only reason I'm in the fire service. I was in the fire service before I knew Harvey. I knew who he was. But, but Harvey's the guy that said, hey, why don't you write an article? Why don't you write another one? Hey, you want to come to Baltimore and do a little, do a little presentation? So, and, I, and I can't tell you how many other guys that are out there, recognizable names, big names in the fire service, that, that Harvey and, and others like Harvey. But Harvey, for me, was the guy that recruited me and pulled me into the into the writing, into the magazine, into the presentations, into this whole, this whole thing that you and I do, you know? So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was an honor and it was fun being associated uh, with, with those other people. And I, I never forget, uh, it, it, listening to Stapleton uh, when he spoke, forget oh, the lifetime yeah. achievement award years ago, that, 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 you know, the relationship that he had with, with other people in the fire service made, was one of his greatest, uh, you know, pleasures. So, uh, yeah, it was great. It was, it was fun. I, I'm, and, uh, and I'm glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was pretty cool, buddy. I'm so, I'm so happy for you. Very well-deserved, very, very well-deserved. It was nice seeing everybody there um, and seeing your family. And, and always, it's always great seeing Chief Butch Cobb. Um, that, that's a, that's a great guy. Great. Talk about a great fire service leader, a great mentor, uh, just an all around great guy. That That's Butchie's just one of those people. But John, um, how about, uh, 
you and I talked about how we got so many of these topics for our old school uh, uh, podcasts. Um, we've done stretching the initial attack line. We've done where the radios, we've done stuff on leadership. Uh, you know, the, the senior firefighter, the breaking of the probie and a bunch of other, you know, force entry, um, uh, different things like ventilation, um, hose beds, things like that. Um, let, let's talk search and rescue. You know, it, it's one of those, you know, components we've talked about in class plenty of times, John, where, you know, it's one of those tasks that has to be accomplished, whether you have a truck company or not. There's truck tactics that have to be done, search and rescue, ventilation, salvage and overhaul, force entry, all those different things that have to be done. But let, let's focus today, if you will, um, you know, you, you've been wanting to do this one for a while, on search and rescue. There are a lot of people, you know, we've talked about this. There's, I think there's a lot of people right now that are doubting, maybe doubting themselves or doubting their, their actions. Uh, uh, you know, some people are not as aggressive as getting in on the search anymore, let alone the attack line. Um, you, I just mentioned Butch, and, and, and you use Butch as an example in class just about every time that, 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 and what's, how's it go? But help me out. Butch said that we've never rescued. Butch said if the only way that a person is trapped inside of a burning building can survive is for the fire department, firefighters to arrive and go in and find them and remove them. There's no other way. And if you really think about it, there is no other way. Now I'm not insinuating in any way, shape or form that, putting a fire out or knocking it down quickly or doing a lot of other things. Those are all very helpful tactics, but um, you, you, you can knock down a fire all you want. And if some, and, and it doesn't mean you just pack the hose up and go home and, and they can roll over and go back to sleep. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm being sarcastic here, but the bottom line is somebody can only be saved when you actually go in and remove them from a burning building along with all those other things. Well, let me ask you this. Um, you know, we talk about search and rescue, we often associate it with truck companies or truck work, but you and I both know that a lot of civilians are located and removed from the building, or at least located, and the initial, the initial removal is done by that first attack line, that initial attack line going in. And, and a lot of folks have that ability, we've trained before, to be able to search off the line as you're advancing the line either the officer or that heel man fight. So, you know, whether it's the heel man coming up behind you and, and bumping off a little bit and going back, but let, let's talk about that first John. I guess would be about searching off the line. You've got, you've got me in the nozzle. You're the captain pushing in and you, you know, we're, we're, we're passing, you know, we're, we're, I'm hitting the fire and we're next to a bedroom or those kinds of things. This is accomplished all over the country all the time with some, some great success, isn't it? Well, you know, you're right. There are some great successes. Listen, if you choose to search off the line. Um, I'm not saying abandon the line. You know what I'm saying? I'm on the line and you're my partner. But, but, but what I'm saying is, is if you choose to search off of the line, if you choose to go in and say, we're going to stretch the initial attack line to go put that fire out in that bedroom, and we're going to search off it too. We're just not going to zoom in with the line and put the fire out and ignore everything else. We're going we're to try and search a little bit too. If you decide to do that, that's fine. But, but you, you got to know you got to know that that is a very limited search in, in many ways. Right, right, right. And I've identified that in, in some of my classes. You and I have had this discussion with other people in the halls of conferences and, and after some of our own classes when we, when we do the company officer academy and other classes. But my point is, you know, you, you have a one or a two-story private dwelling, just a single-family home, you know, one bedroom on the first floor, two bedrooms on the second floor, not a big, big place. And, and there's a room on the first floor burning. 
you know, you go in the front door and it's the window to the right of the front door when you're looking at the house. You're going to go in with that hose line and you're going to go to the right and that's where you're going to go to penetrate with the hose line. And if you're going to search off of that line, that's the area that's going to get searched. There is no search going on to the left of the front door. Right. There is no search going on on the second floor at the same moment. So, like I said, I just want to make sure that people, people that say, oh, we search off the line. Well, that's fine if you search off the line, but you have to admit and you have to consciously acknowledge that the only area that's going to get searched is the path to the fire. And there, there could be people anywhere in a the house. They could be to the left of the front door. They could be on the second floor in the bedroom above the room that's on fire. So uh, my, my newest, not newest, but the point that I've been making lately about search is I, I think the fire, American Fire Service in general, and it's not paid and it's not career and it's not volunteer, you know, every fire department in general, um, it's, it's generally staffing and response times that limit our ability to search simultaneously with the hose line going in, meaning a separate team of people. But I think we have to bump it up a little bit. I think we have to bump up, like maybe the first two people go in with the line, maybe the next two people shouldn't be a backup line. A lot of places fetch a backup line or a second line as the second option, the second tactic, and they still don't have a search team going in. And I think in, in houses, occupied houses, or even multiple dwellings, unless there's visual or obvious extension that needs to be covered with a second line, I, I think a search team should, should you know, I think a, a chief should at least consider the next team in being a search team without a hose line. Going into a house and starting to search in the other areas, maybe the opposite areas, or maybe the areas above where the, where the first hose line is going, because those folks are not getting any attention at all by, by a search team that's operating off the primary attack line. Exactly. And, and that's where I was hoping you would go with that because, you know, obviously for our, for our listeners, you know, I'm not suggesting that, you know, we go in with the line and you head down the hallway to hit the fire and I go left and I go back behind us to bedrooms. I'm not talking about that. You know, just what you said is that immediate area, we're pushing the line and you're going, Rick, ahead, go, move forward. Another five feet, hit it. Okay. Hey, hold right here for a second. You reach inside, you, 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 you take your hook or whatever you got with you. Cause we're limited. A lot of people are limited. We don't have the four or five man companies, a lot of places. And we're, and we're doing a quick in our area off the line. Cause sometimes I think, you know, that's wasted, that's wasted land, if you will. You know, when, like you said, you just push and go in there, which obviously we want to put the fire out as quickly as possible, but you get in there, you know, I, I, if you're looking at that line and you're going, I can cover five or six feet off of that line on each side, I can cover the hallways. Maybe there's someone, you know, we've had people, we've got, we know people, we've got videos of fires where guys have stepped over people when they shouldn't have been walking, they should have been crawling. They've crawled past people. People are right next to them, little kids against the, the baseboard and the hallway, you know, but being able to, 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 to remember that, all right, we're going in to attack the fire, but hey, use your arms once in a while, you know, use your arms, feel around your immediate area to make sure we're not passing anybody or or whatever. But I, and I think it's a great point that you made, John, that we're not going left down this way when the line's going right. Um, right. You right. and I have seen it. And I, and I like you brought up, cause I'm a big believer in that with, you know, I know all the fires that both of us have ran. And, and I know for me, um, get the initial tack line in. We use it in our company officer cam. We talk about what are the three, the three tasks that must be done at every fire, fire tack, ventilation, search and rescue. And, you know, then we talk about, backup lines, secondary searches, all the rest of that stuff and so on and so forth. Um, you know, stretching a line, getting in there, like you said, and then getting your search team, getting two guys, guy and a gal, you know, two firefighters in there, an officer firefighter searching, you know, you, you use that, let's use that two story with the fire downstairs 
we know we got bedrooms upstairs two in the morning we want to get upstairs as quick as we can at one story ranch fire to the right maybe it's starting a living room kitchen we got bedrooms to the left we want to get a search team going to the left so i i guess you know my, my point earlier too was and that's why i brought up butchie our good friend because it's a great great comedy mate we got to get in we got to get in we got to get on here and we got to start searching for people um they're, they're not gonna they're not gonna come out themselves in the middle of the night when they're when they're when they're semi-conscious or when they're they're laying or unconscious in their bed or on the floor we've got to go agree. in and we've got to go find them i agree and and, and, I'll, and i'll take it a step further and some people you know may not be happy with, with or, or may not necessarily agree with what i'm going to say but but i think we can do better the fire service the american fire service in general i think we're equipped i think we're trained i think we have the ability but but i think we actually have to do better i think we have to push ourselves a little bit more in the in the search arena i think we have to uh pay more attention to it i think we have to uh maybe maybe spend some more time drilling and training on you know, two and three person search teams and private dwellings and residential structures. I'm not talking about big box stores. I'm not talking about factories. You know, I'm talking about life harboring places like homes, one or two story houses. Um, I, I think we have to push ourselves a little bit and, and maybe branch off a little bit and add a new, add a new avenue of training and, and, and get to doing it. You and I know that we've been to lots of places where we ask the audience, who here pretty much has to go in with a hose line? Even if you're making a search, you have to be on a line. And, and half the room puts their hands up. And frankly, I don't, I don't find that as – I don't think that's the best we can do. I, I think we can do better than that. I, th I think an interior structural firefighter, adequately trained, should be able to go in with a fellow firefighter, with another team member, into a private dwelling, into a home. They should be able to go in there, uh, you know, SCBA equipped – and, and make a search of the first floor and report that and then ascend the stairway to the second floor or vice versa, whatever they choose to do first. I don't think that's something that has to be uh, with a, conducted with a hand line. Obviously not a search rope. Search ropes are not meant for private dwellings or residential buildings. So I, I, I think that's sort of a little bit of a, a little bit of a, I don't know what the word would be. Uh, not a dare, but I think it's a, it's a little bit of a thing for the fire service to think about. I think that's a, that's a topic for us to put some thought into and maybe spend a little bit more time training. And, you know, there's plenty of live fire training going on. There's plenty of places that have great academies. You, I mean, really all you need is a smoke machine and a firehouse and you can, you can practice some of this stuff. So like I said, I, I think we could do better. I'm not being critical, but I think the fire service in general could do better. 3000 people. We've said this a number of times, 3000 civilians die in America every year in fires. And, and we flip off of our chairs if more than 85 firefighters die in one year, if it goes up to 86 or 87, everybody is, everybody has a connection and 3000 people die in civilians, 3000 people that called us and are waiting for us die and half the firefighters in America don't even know it. So I, all I'm saying is I think we have to raise our, our awareness level of the, the risks and the, the life hazard of civilians in house fires. And I think we have to maybe put some more effort uh, into maybe conducting more rapid, more effective searches. Well, exactly. And, and, and for our listeners, we're not talking about, because this is a big topic, Jack comes up in class, we're not talking about going in first and searching and not bringing a hose line in there. We're talking the attack crews in there, they're going, they're going after the fire, and now we're going into search. Because you, you've seen it, John, how many times in class, um, and we've talked about this on plenty of our shows, we've talked about it on our podcast for Fire Engineer, we do the command post, where, you know, we get into that discussion 
with, with some of the students where you go, if you could only do one thing, what would it be? And they're like, search. And because they've been pounding in their head since the fire academy, life safety, life safety, life safety, forgetting that if you can only do one task, stretch initial attack line saves more lives than anything else. Not to forget about the search and not to forget about ventilation, but if you can only do one thing, you know, why would you not bring your weapon, you know, in, in, into the shootout, if you will? Oh, absolutely. There's no debate that you're wrong. Yeah. But I agree with you because there are a lot of hands that go up and say, well, we're not allowed to go search. If we go to the second floor, we got to bring a hose line in there with us. And I think some of that might be a little, little bit of, I'll say, inexperience on maybe an incident commander's part, John, uh, maybe on the crew where, all right, everybody's got to have a hose line. Everybody's got to go on a hose line. You know, if you're going upstairs, you got to bring a line up there with you where you and I have said this, and, and for those that have tried that, you're not going to get a whole lot of searching done on air. By the time you stretch that line to the second floor, you know, th- just think about how much work and airtime you have already. We, you're, I agree with right. you. We should be training our firefighters how to search above the fire, opposite of the attack, alongside, alongside the attack line, you know, off of the away from the attack crew, above the fire, maybe even ahead of it if you have to. If you know you got a kid in there and they're hitting this fire here, you got to push past them. I mean, that that's what they. I, you can't say it pays the big bucks because nobody gets paid a lot in the fire service, and especially if you're a volunteer. But that's 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 why they ring their phone. That's why they call nine one one and say, you know, come and put my fire out. By the way, my mom's in there, and my kids in there, and my baby's up there, my grandma, because they're expecting us to go in. And, and go find them. And, and that's back to the training thing. But getting in and going after people, you know, again, coordinated. We, we talked about that with the attack line, the search crew, and with some ventilation, whether it's backside if you go through the front or we're doing top side ventilation. What we're doing to give a little bit of relief because we're also, aren't we? I mean, you, if, if it's, John, think, a lot of young firefighters don't realize this. If ventilating a building, whether it's just taking a window on the backside as you're pushing in, or popping a roof, and you feel, we've all been there if you fought a fire, you felt that relief when someone's done that. If it works for the firefighters to give us some relief, you know, us venting while we're attacking a fire, and now we're talking search, has got to help those civilian victims. We've told it has. It, it helps take that, you know, it helps allow a lot of that down here to go up here and get out, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and another great thing about you know, dedicated search teams, meaning non-hose line equipped search teams, dedicated search teams. Another great thing about them is they can, they can select their penetration point. They can select their entry point, and it can be anywhere. Theoretically, not theoretically, absolutely. You look at a house, a one-and-a-half story, a full two-story home, private dwelling, one, one family building. No matter where the fire is, a search team that's going in just to search can pick any window to enter, first floor window, second floor window, the front door, the back door. They're not restricted like the hose line is. There's, there's some restrictions on a first hose line. You know, men, at least mention that. Mention that, John. People, you know? men, mention that because we we talked about that on, on an earlier episode of Old School about which door for the line. Just remind them again. Right. That, that's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite topics to talk about when, when we're doing house flies. You know, I I think that the first hose line to a great degree it should be entering the front door because the front door gives them immediate access. You know. To the, to the main areas in the, in the first floor. It often gives you immediate access to the stairway, which gives you to, gives you very direct access to the second floor as well. So, so that's a great place for the, for the hose line to enter, and which means that's where the searches are going to start if you're searching off the hose line. But if you have a report of somebody trapped in a second floor rear window, two firefighters can run around to the side with a 35-foot ladder or a 28-foot ladder, slap it up against the window, climb up, perform VES, 
one one firefighter could jump in, the other one could climb to the top of the ladder or, or butt the ladder, and we can conduct a, a an immediate uh, aggressive interior search from from an exterior position, and then finish it and come right back out. It, you know, it's not like you're restricted to, to to stay away from the fire or not be in a flow path or all the other things that can happen to you. You can do a first floor window. You can jump in and make a search and come out. You could go. You could go in the front door, follow the hose line and search rooms behind them. You could go in the front door and go opposite the hose line. So there's a lot of options for dedicated search teams, and they're not restricted by entry points and stuff like that. They can pretty much pick the point that they want to enter. Well, and I'm thinking of several fires in my career. I know you can a bunch in yours where the the attacker, the engine crew you know, we're doing the best they could, even at times getting their ass kicked, trying to make entry to on, on maybe the first floor. And we we don't have access to the stairs because of the fire, yet we've got windows upstairs that give us the opportunity. I think sometimes, you know, when we're looking like this, we're not paying attention that, you know, we're, we're waiting. And you've seen the videos even where guys are waiting to push in. Come on. They're like, where's the engine? Come on, you guys. And, and they're in there trying to do the best they can. They got this room they're working on, trying to get us where we can at least even get to the stairs. Or like you said, we could have thrown a ladder, taken a window, been in there, covered that whole second floor, most of it, and been back out while they're still doing it. And that goes back to that coordinated effort. Now, I, I, I want to talk with you briefly, though, about um, – let, let me add something. Go, go ahead, let go me add something to that real quick. That reminds me, when I was lieutenant in squad one in Brooklyn many, many years ago now, it was 20-something years ago uh, or longer, um, you know, we'd go to a lot of work and fires. We were special units, so we'd be – you know, we go on a 1075 along with the rescue company. We get there often a fire. The fire operation, the fire attack was well underway when we got there. Occasionally, there'd be people still missing or trapped or searches that needed to be done. And I would always tell my guys, don't wait online. Don't wait online at the front door to try and get, behind, try and get in behind everybody else. You know, grab a ladder and throw it up to the front porch. Grab a ladder and go around to the side. Let's pick a window and jump in and start our search up there. It's immediate entry into into a lot of different areas rather than waiting, you know, if you have a lot of people, FDNY happens to have a lot of people, but, but most, most fire departments, once you have a working fire, more people show up instead of waiting online at the front door, like, like you're going to see a movie, man, pick a window, throw a ladder up or pick a window on the first floor and make, make a horizontal entry. And that way you get in there much quicker. And of course the whole goal is to get to those folks that, that are trapped inside the building as soon as possible. Yeah. Well, and, and, and next to it, that John is one of the key factors if you will in a good search is communication and, and I think that's that's I think three different points you might add one more but first and foremost you know you, you know you have to the, the attack crew needs to know that you're going in you know I, I think a lot of places people end up going in search and, they, and either the IC the incident commander doesn't say anything somebody doesn't let them let the attack crew know that we got we got a search team in the building now because that's going to affect their decisions right you know what they do, how they do it, knowing they've got somebody going above them or behind them or whatever, or, you know, they may, it'll delay them leaving to go change bottles even, you know, a little bit more thing. Knowing they've got a crew and they're doing a search is the first thing. Second is letting the incident commander know your progress as you're searching. And then thirdly, how about with each other? Because a lot of people think I've got to have my hand on you the whole time we're searching, right? We've talked about that. There are fire academies still out there, bud, right? Where they teach the probies to, to search, to learn how to search by holding onto the boot of the firefighter in front of you. They still do it. And I'm like, no, if you're doing that, part two of that drill is you need to blindfold them, walk them in there, spin around circles, have them to the, help them to the floor, say, find your way out. Because if I let go of your boot, in about two seconds, I'm screwed if you zig and I zag. 
But so communication about that. Think about think about what the qualifications of a firefighter are if he has to hold on to the boot of the firefighter oh. in front of him. I mean, it's like you're leading it's like you're leading a civilian in with an SCBA on. I mean, you should be all of us, any interior structural firefighter should be well beyond that level of training and expertise. You should, should be able to be, you should be able to jump in any window, crawl in any door, fall, you should be able to fall through the floor from the second floor, land on the first floor. If the place isn't on fire, you should be able to feel a couple of pieces of furniture and figure your way out of a building. You know what I'm saying? That, that's, that's, that's almost a baseline, a baseline level for, for interior firefighters. You, you would hope so. And, and again, like you say, being able to communicate, me being able to talk to you, and that doesn't happen uh, I mean, you and I have talked about this a ton of times. That doesn't happen without training. You know, we've said this hundreds of times. We're so busy jumping out of helicopters with carabiners. We, we don't know how to stretch hose anymore. We don't know how to vent force entry. You know, we don't, we don't know, we don't know how to search on our hands and knees anymore. Thermal imagers or not or whatever, staying in communication with your partner, knowing how to communicate with your partner, how to talk, whether you have a voice amp on your mask or not how to enunciate so at least you can understand what you're saying to each other, knowing each other's, you know, get into air management, how much air my buddy John has. I know because we, we do a lot of work together. For some of the departments, different people are riding behind you. You don't know. But you have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to talk. So that's the first thing is making sure, right, the attack team knows that we're in behind them or above them searching. Command knows where we're at. We're on the first or second floor or whatever we're doing. We don't have to wear them out on the radio, but we got to tell him or her where we're at. And then talking with each other. And I want you to go back. Let's just, John, we're, we're in the hallway. Engine crew's hitting the fire. And we've got three bedrooms, either behind us in a ranch. They're making a hit. Or on, we're on a second floor. We've got three bedrooms. And there's two of us. And we're doing a right-handed search because that was the most advantageous, you know, what we're doing for where we're at for this particular building. You said something earlier I want you to go back to a little bit more in detail because I, I talk about it too. There are a lot of search crews that think they need not I'm not talking the writ team now I'm talking the search crew that goes into a private dwelling apartment and think they have to bring a search rope in with them to search with which presents all kinds of problems you just cover that again you know and again that's something that we bring up all the time in in, in all different classes it keeps coming up for different reasons but search ropes are meant for large areas they're not meant for private dwellings they're not meant for residential buildings in general in general sometimes Unique conditions, maybe maybe uh, uh, places that are that are full of junk or you know partial collapse or something, whatever. But a, a normal home, a normal residential building that's that's occupied and is on fire at the time of, it, it, you should be able to get into that. You should be able to stay oriented. You should be able to feel the furniture, keep track of where you're moving, what room, you know, feel the floor coverings. Is it tile? Is it is it carpet? Is there a door in this doorway, or is this just a double wide doorway between a living room and a and a dining room? So. Those are all those skills and tactics that you should learn. Those are all search skills and tactics that you should learn. And you should be able to, you should be able to move around through a residential building. And just by feeling some furniture, just by mapping the room, you should be able to figure out what, what kind of room you're in and maybe what kind of room you're moving into when the floor, when the floor surface changes. If, you, if you're thinking about stretching a search rope in a private dwelling, you should probably stay outside. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? If you, 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 nobody should need the assistance of a search rope in a private dwelling. Obviously, it sounds like a great idea. Oh, you'll be connected to the front door. You can always find your way back. But that it, it, it limits you dramatically using a search rope in a private well, dwelling. And, and think and about the potential of other things happening is, you know, tangled up and everything yeah, else. Yeah, I was just going to say, think about the, you know, tangling up on things. And, for, and I think one of the problems, John, is 
where you have people so used to training and, and, and great, I, I love the training towers with pallets and straw without end tables and furniture and toys and toy boxes and crap and clutter and things and piles of clothes and things that you, you know, I mean, it just, and I, I want to, because when you mentioned that before, I want to go back to that because so many people still, still do that. And, and, and the other thing too, like you said, the, the whole, and we'll do room orientation another time, um, staying oriented. And there's some tricks that later on another podcast, maybe our next one will cover that about, about staying oriented and, and some of the, the keys with that. And we'll talk about it again, but it used to be where if you went from tile to carpeting, you knew, well, maybe I'm in a kitchen, I'm in a bathroom, I'm in a front foyer or whatever. You come in my house, there's only a couple of rooms, if that, with carpeting. We've got wood floors throughout. We've got, you know, nowadays with, with stained concrete, a lot of tile and a lot of wood floors and laminates and things like that, you really have to pay attention to where you're at. Now, you know, we've got a few minutes left here with this one, but let's talk, John, about the importance we're at that bedroom now. We talked about that. We talked about why we don't want to use ropes because of all the problems in, you know, that it presents and actually hazards in some cases, um, and it slows us down. The importance, John, of, of leaving somebody at the door. Or you and I are going to search this bedroom on the right. We're not both going in, right? We're not both going in. And uh, you know what? Now, that, that, that's one of my, that's one of my uh, topics that I like talking about. Because obviously, both ways will work. If you, if, if, if somebody says, listen, we don't want anybody going in a bedroom by themselves. They can run into trouble. I want two people to go in and go in opposite directions and stuff. Will that work? Yes, that'll work. I don't even want to say the word absolute, absolutely because it, it makes it sound like I like it because I really don't like it. If we're, again, if we're in a residential building, we're going into bedrooms. Unless you're talking about McMansions and, and even them to some degree. I like the idea of a two-person search team. One person staying at the entry door from the hallway into the bedroom and the other firefighter going in to make the search. Now you got a single firefighter, and I, and I like to say it, zooming through the room. If you're a good firefighter, you know how to move on your hands and knees, you know how to carry a tool, you know how to keep track of the wall and the furniture and your corners and make the whole sweep through the room, you can get through there much faster by yourself than you can along with a partner. Obviously, two folks go in there and go in opposite directions, they can quickly pass each other and come back, but what you've given up by doing that is you've given up sort of your safety valve out there at, at, at the doorway. I always like to keep somebody at the doorway, and it could be the officer at the doorway and send a firefighter in. Now they're monitoring conditions outside the room, and, you know, conditions in the hallway in the second floor of a house, let's say if there's a kitchen fire downstairs, now you can monitor, and if they're starting to lose the fire, or if the fire is, if the fire is unknowingly wrapping around the inside of the house and going up the open interior stairway and the hose line crew doesn't realize it, at least the guy out in the hallway will sense an increase in heat and maybe flames coming up the stairway and he can warn the guy inside either come out or he can step in the room and close the door and, and you know, seek refuge in there. So I, I think leaving somebody out, a two person team, leaving one firefighter at the entry door to the bedroom being searched or whatever room it is. And then somebody making a quick search and coming out, you know, then you can go down the hall or across the hall and swap off and the other firefighter can go in and make, make that room while, while the guy that just searched the first room stays out in the hallway and, you know, monitors those conditions. And, yeah, exactly. Monitors the conditions. Uh, the, you know, the, the conditions. Maybe they're they're not doing so because sometimes we don't communicate with the crew doing a search that we're losing it or we're having some trouble on the line or whatever. And and I love the part about you know I, I'm in there and every now and then I hear you ask me. You communicate with Rick. How you doing? You you know hit with a tool. You give you a little shout and and, and it does two things for me. Like you said, it, it keeps me oriented. I know where you know I have a pretty good idea where you're at, but I'll be honest with you, for a lot of firefighters, it kind of calms you down a little bit, you know, knowing that 
your partner still has the door. And one key thing here, Captain John Wright, one of our friends, we've had him on our shows before from Flower Mound, Texas, great captain, great officer, great leader. One of the lessons that, that he, he preaches about when you know, he got trapped in his mayday with his firefighter was one of the contributing factors to not be able to get back out was they both went into that room and didn't leave somebody at the door. And they actually circled a couple times in that little room trying to find the door when, the, when everything was flashing and burning, the, you know, first rolling over their heads. And people often will ask, well, how does that happen? How does somebody get, how does somebody miss the door in a bedroom? Well, you know, I've said this before. If you've never been lost, if, if you've never been disoriented for a few seconds in your burn tower or whatever, then I just met your hydrant guy. All of us have talked to furniture. All of us have been spun around. All of us have reached and went, crap, the door. Okay, okay, there it is. There it is. We've all lost a little bit, you know, and had the little pucker factor come in. Having somebody at that door, like you said, is, is huge. When, when, you know, I come out, okay, we're clear. Now we go to the next one. Like you said, you go in. Now I'm slowing down my breathing. I'm monitoring conditions. And we might get maybe another third more search time between the two of us by leapfrogging like that and going and covering it. And like you said, primary searches are down and dirty, hard and fast. We got to move. And this, this all goes back. We'll finish up this one with this. This all goes back to, to the training thing. Yeah, this all goes back to the training thing um, about, you know, you, you've said this, you said this plenty of times in class. If you're a company officer, you're not training your firefighters how to stay oriented in a room. We'll do that on another show, but how to crawl in a burning building in, in reduced or zero visibility, you're not doing your job because everything else goes to crap. You know, if you don't know how to crawl around with zero or reduced visibility, you, it, it just all goes away. It all goes away. That's, and that's when it really all matters, right? I mean, obviously, firefighters do a lot of work in a lot of different conditions, and there's different levels of hazards and, and risk associated with all the things we do, you know, up on the roof, down in the basement, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But working in a zero visibility and high heat condition inside a building that's on fire is, is a pretty dangerous, difficult task. And you really need to practice and you really need to be well-trained on that. Absolutely. Hey, what do you think next show? We, um, cause I, I think, I think you, I love when we both have that discussion when we're in our hotel rooms talking and everything else about how to stay oriented in the room. And, you know, we'll, we'll t let's take it another step further with our next show. What do you think? Absolutely. I think orientation is a great, cause there's some specific skills I think related to orientation. As you know, when I did my get out of life training at all the big conferences, uh, a lot of people came up to us after that, after that class and said, oh. boy, that was one of the most informative classes with new information that I've never seen before. So, I mean, I don't, th I don't think we're, we're breaking any brand new ground here, but I think it's some stuff that I think if we put together and you start thinking about next time you're doing a search, it could be helpful. So that's, that'd be a good topic for uh, an, upcoming, uh, an upcoming podcast. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do that for our listeners. We'll you know, tune in as you, as you do now if you're following us, you're listening to our old school podcast. So we're getting uh, thousands of hits, which is awesome. We appreciate you. We we're doing this. We're doing this because we love it. We're, we're, we're not getting paid to do this. We love doing this. We love sharing information. We love talking. John and I have said it. We're just a couple of firefighters that love what we do and we're honored that you follow us. So um, John, if, uh, email if they always ask you, I know it by heart, but for them, if they want to get a hold of you. Chief John Salka at gmail.com. And I'm at chief Lasky at gmail.com. We appreciate you, you tuning in and, uh, listening to us, spread the word about our old school. We have them also on uh, my uh, YouTube uh, channel for those that don't do iTunes. Uh, so, so spread the word to your friends that may not do that. Um, we always end all of our episodes, all our podcasts, uh, telling you to please keep the men and women in our armed forces in your thoughts and prayers. 
We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you. God bless you.